Let's pray and we'll ask God for his help. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we pray that you will help us to hear your word this morning with soft hearts, uh, ready to uh, do what it takes to stay faithful and to help each other to stay faithful through to the very end. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I haven't always kept going with everything that I've started. There are a number of things over the years that I have given up on. So I started them, but then I stopped when I was about 10 years old, uh, my great passion was tennis. I played three times a week for my school. Uh, I went to tennis camps during the holidays. Uh, I talked about tennis. I read books about tennis. I watched tennis on TV. I, I dreamed about tennis. I was convinced that I was going to play Davis Cup for Australia. Sadly, I wasn't very good at tennis. Um, I wasn't even the best in my year at school. And so after a few years, I gave up in disappointment. And now I can't even remember the last time that I played tennis. When I was about 13, uh, my great passion was rugby union. I played three times a week for my school. That wasn't enough, so I joined a local team as well. I used to talk about rugby all the time. I read books about rugby. I watched rugby on TV. I dreamed about rugby. I was convinced that I was going to be a wallaby, play rugby for Australia. Sadly, one look at me will tell you that I'm not really built for rugby. I'm not big or fast nor skillful. And so after a few years, I gave up in disappointment and haven't played rugby since I was about 16. Uh, when I was 17, my great passion was karate. Uh, I started training twice a week, uh, but within a short time, I was training two hours a day, five to six days per week. I talked about karate. I read books about karate. I watched martial arts movies. I dreamed about karate. I was convinced I was going to be the next Chuck Norris. Actually, it wasn't all that bad at karate. Uh, but at the age of 20, some other things started to crowd into my life. At the age of 20, I got a girlfriend. Uh, I was also coming towards the end of my degree and realising that 51% in every subject wasn't going to get me a job. Um, at the age of 21, I became a Christian. And gradually, as other things crowded in, my, my passion for karate kind of waned. I trained less, started to get injured, and eventually I gave up. Nowadays, just thinking about karate makes me pull a muscle. Uh, for the next 20 years, my great passions were uh, my Christian faith and my family. Uh, but when I turned 40, I had a little bit of a crisis. Um, I'd been in ministry here for about 10 years. I had four little kids and I was feeling quite overwhelmed. I felt like all I did was uh, serve at church or serve at home. I felt like I didn't do anything for myself, didn't do anything to kind of rest. Um, a couple of guys advised me that I should take up a hobby. So I took up surfing and the guitar. Surfing lasted two lessons. That didn't uh, really go very well. But uh, a professional musician who was here in our church at the time, he said, he said, Jeff, if you play guitar for one hour a day for six years, then you'll be an excellent guitarist. So I thought, yeah, right, yeah. And so that became a, a real passion for me. I played one hour of guitar a day for six years, bought a couple of nice guitars, talked about guitar, read magazines about guitar, dreamed about guitar. I was convinced I was going to be the next Eric Clapton. Sadly, at the end of six years, I was still hopeless at the guitar. And so once again, I lost heart. And nowadays, I would rarely play an hour a week, let alone an hour a day. Uh, there are a few things that I've managed to stick at in my life. Uh, so far, at least, I've been married for nearly 27 years, been a Christian for 30 years, uh, been in ministry here for more than 20 years. 
There are some things that I faithfully continued, but I do know what it is to give up. In fact, you can kind of plot out my life by the things that I've given up. I do know what it is to throw in the towel, to, to start something but then stop, to, to not make it to the end. The author of Hebrews is writing to some Jewish Christians who are in danger of giving up, of not making it to the end. Uh, they're facing persecution for their faith and they're being tempted to give up on Jesus and to go back to just being Jews. Well, here in chapter 3, the author addresses his readers and, and he starts off by talking about their privileged position. He says that they share in a heavenly calling. God has called them to be his own, to be his family, to be his special people, ultimately to be with him in the new creation. They share in a heavenly calling. But the author wants them to notice something. He wants them to consider something. He wants them to think about something. He wants them to consider that Jesus was faithful to God. Jesus shared in a heavenly calling. He was called by God to be an apostle, sent out by God. He was called by God to be high priest of his people. But Jesus, though he shared in a heavenly calling, he didn't just rest on that. He didn't use it as an excuse to, to, to stop or be unfaithful. No, no, Jesus was faithful to the very end. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, have a look with me. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him. Jesus was faithful. And in that, the author says, Jesus was like Moses. Uh, God appointed Moses to look after his people, and Moses was faithful. Despite all the whinging, despite all the grumbling, despite all the challenges, he stuck it out. Uh, the author is careful to point out that Jesus is better than Moses, but the point here is both of them were faithful to God. Verse 2 again. Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him, uh, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but, but God is the builder of, everyone, of everything. Uh, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. Jesus and Moses, not, not the same, Jesus is better, but both faithful to God. Now, the author wants his readers to consider that, to, to fix their minds on it. Why? Because they need to be faithful too. They have a heavenly calling. That's great. But it doesn't mean they can rest on their laurels. It doesn't mean they can now ignore God or, or, or fall away. No, no, no. They, they, have to, they have to hold firmly. Like Jesus, like Moses, they need to stay faithful to the very end. Halfway through verse 6. And we are his house. We are Jesus' house. We are Jesus' people if, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. The readers need to consider the faithfulness of Jesus and Moses and they need to emulate that faithfulness. 
next, the author, he gives an example of, uh, of what happens if you're not faithful, if you don't keep going to the end. He quotes from a psalm, from Psalm 95. Now, in Psalm 95, the psalmist, he calls on Israel, the Israel of his day, to remember back to their ancestors, to their ancestors who were in the wilderness. Uh, God had saved them out of Egypt, but that first generation never made it to the promised land. And why? Because they were unfaithful. They forgot about the good things that God had done for them. They hardened their hearts to God's word. Verse 7. So, as the Holy Spirit says, and now the author quotes from Psalm 95, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That's why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they've not known my ways. So, I declared on oath, in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Israel were unfaithful to God. And so in the light of their example, the author again, he calls on his readers, he tells them to do two things. He says, first, you've got to check your own heart. Make sure that your heart is faithful to God, like, like Jesus, like Moses. Not, not unfaithful, like Israel in the wilderness. Verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving... And actually, that word unbelieving, believing and faithful is the same word. So it's a sinful, unfaithful heart that turns away from the living God. The readers need to check their own hearts. And second, they need to help each other. Encourage each other here in this world. Encourage each other to keep trusting Jesus, to, to stay faithful, to not be tricked by sin, to stay faithful to the end. Verse 13. See to it that you don't have a sinful, unbelieving heart, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The readers need to watch their own hearts. They need to encourage each other, because again, it's not enough to start as a Christian. You've got to finish You've got to be faithful to the end. Verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if, you know, there's another if, like back in verse 6, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. The author finishes the section by reflecting again on Psalm 95. And the thing that he points out is this. Uh, like his readers, Israel in the wilderness were sharers in a heavenly calling. God had saved them. They, they did start. They, they were saved out of Egypt. But it wasn't enough to start. They needed to finish. They needed to be faithful to the end. Verse 15. As has just been said, quoting again from the psalm, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? That is God's called, saved people. 
And, and with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And again, the word belief and the word faithfulness are the same. Belief and faithfulness, same word. Israel were not able to enter because of their unfaithfulness. They were saved out of Egypt, but they never made it to the promised land because they were unfaithful. Okay, so can you see what's here then in this passage? The author is calling on his readers to, to be faithful to the end. And he wants them to help each other to be faithful to the end. He gives two positive examples. What were the two positive examples? Jesus and Moses. They were faithful. And then he gives one negative example, an example of unfaithfulness, that is that generation of Israel in the wilderness. The, the thing that the readers need to realise is this, it's not enough to start. It's not enough to say, oh, I've got a heavenly calling, I'm saved, I'm chosen by God, I'm a Christian, now I can do what I want. No, no, Jesus was appointed by God, he needed to be faithful. Moses was appointed by God, but he needed to be faithful to the end. Israel, chosen and saved out of Egypt, they needed to be faithful to the end. And because they weren't, they never made it to the promised land. Because they were unfaithful, they ended up dead in the desert. message to the original readers is pretty clear, isn't it? Remember who they are, Jewish Christians, facing persecution, tempted to give up on Jesus, go back to Judaism. message is very clear, isn't it? They must not give up on Jesus. They can't go back to Judaism. They've got to stay faithful to the end. All right, let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. Three things for us to think about. First, kind of a theological issue, the idea of saved people being lost. Uh, second, the, the challenge to be faithful to the end. And then third, and I want to focus most time on this, the call to encourage each other. So see where we're going? You can see it on the outline as well. Saved people being lost, the challenge to be faithful to the end, and the call to encourage each other. Let's have a think about each one in turn. First, the idea of saved people being lost. Now, some people get very, very upset at the idea that you can be a Christian and then fall away. Uh, and the Bible is clear. If you are genuinely born again, you will persevere to the end. Uh, we saw it just last week, didn't we? We saw that picture of Jesus. He comes before God and he says, Here am I and the children that you have given me. Jesus knows those who are his. Nothing can snatch them out of his hands. But the fact remains, humanly speaking, there are plenty of people who give every appearance of being Christian who then give up. They fall away. They don't make it to the end. Now, they are a bit like, well, me, with tennis and rugby and karate and everything else. They are a bit like Israel. They come out of Egypt, but they never make it to the promised land. There are lots of people who claim to be Christians who end up dead in the desert, so to speak. So, theologically, if someone asks me the question, can a Christian fall away? My answer to them, and I think the Bible's answer is this, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't put it to the test. Don't fall away. Be faithful to the very end. And I trust, if you are genuinely converted, that you will listen to God's word, that you will have a soft heart and you will do just that. You will heed the warnings and you will be faithful to the end. 
Well, that brings us to the second point of application. The challenge to be faithful to the end. Uh, God says to you and to me here that we've got to fix our thoughts on the faithfulness of Jesus. That's something well worth doing. And something to consider as we read the Gospels and as we reflect on God's word. Think about the faithfulness of Jesus. Think about the stuff that he went through. Garden of Gethsemane, betrayed by his friends, the cross. No one was more loved by God than Jesus. No one had a greater share in the heavenly calling than Jesus. But he had to be faithful to the very end. We've got to fix our thoughts on that. God, God tells us here that we, we've got to make sure that we don't have a sinful, unfaithful heart that turns away from the living God. God, God says to you and to me, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Friends, it's not enough to start as a Christian. We've got to run to the finish. So here's a bit of a word for all of the financial people on the 30th of June as we come to the end of the financial year. Why not have a stock take? Not a stock take sale, but a stock take. Check your heart. Think back over the good things that God has done for you. I mean, Israel, 40 years in the wilderness, think about the amazing thing that God did for them. But they forgot all about Passovers and plagues and Red Seas and just, I'm hungry now. I'm thirsty now. It's very easy to be like that, isn't it? To, to, to forget the big picture and all that God has done and just to be angry about what's not happening now. But check our hearts. Listen to God's word with a soft heart, a humble heart, day after day, ready to, ready to repent, ready to have God tell us that we're doing the wrong thing or going the wrong way, ready to be humble and soft-hearted, ready to obey. We're going to commit ourselves. I'm going to persevere day after day to the very end. That was point number two, the challenge to be faithful to the end. Final point of application is this. It's the call to encourage each other. God says to us, um, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Just a few things to notice there in verse 13. Do you notice the word daily? Encourage one another daily. I mean, that means we've got to keep doing it over and over and over again. I think I get into what I call a kind of a baseball pattern of encouraging people. That is, if I see someone going astray, I might say something. If they ignore me, that's strike one. Maybe I'll say it again. Strike two. But third strike and you're out. I run out of patience. Have you ever tried to encourage that friend or family member? Have they ignored you? Have they... Did it fall on deaf ears? Did you then give up? Friend, in, in light of God's word here, can I say, have another go. God says encourage one another daily. Persevere at it. That, that, that word daily as well, I think also it means, it means kind of um, ordinary, doesn't it? Encouragement should be an ordinary thing to do, a daily thing, like brushing, hopefully brushing your teeth. Flossing. I know the dentist will tell you flossing as well, or something like that. It's a daily thing, an ordinary thing. Friends, how long has it been 
since you encouraged someone to be faithful to Jesus. Still got some time today? What about yesterday? Or the day before? I mean, good on you for being here today. Just your presence is an encouragement to people. But do use the time wisely, won't you? Uh, don't just talk about football, even though it was a great win for the Eels last night. Um, don't just talk about uh, fashion at morning tea. You know, take the opportunity to encourage someone to be faithful to Jesus. Of course, it's not just a Sunday thing, is it? Encourage one another which day? Daily. Who could you encourage? Monday or Tuesday or the rest of the week, is encouraging people to be faithful to Jesus and an ordinary part of your life, a daily thing. A second thing to notice there in verse 13, time is limited. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Friends, it's not going to be called today forever. Soon we'll be dead. Or soon Jesus will have come back and then it'll be too late. It's not going to be today anymore and we'll have missed out on our chance to help each other. Have you been, um, have you been putting off that hard conversation that you know you should have with your friend or family member who, who's obviously going astray? Have you been just thinking, look, I know that person's slipping away from Jesus, but I just wait for the right time. Friend, when's the right time? Today. As long as it's called today. It's not going to be today forever. Now is the right time. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Here's a third thing to notice about verse 13. Uh, sin is deceitful. People get hardened by sin's deceitfulness. They get tricked into hardening their hearts against Jesus and his word. That means they might not be able to see it themselves. It means they might think they're doing the right thing or they might think, well, in their particular circumstances, it's okay for them or, or um, it, somebody else has made them do it or if you only understood my history and what's going on with me, then you'd know that I'm actually... Uh, we've got all kinds of ways of justifying ourselves. Sin has all kinds of ways of deceiving us and tricking us. And people might think that they're going okay. They might not see the danger that they're in. They actually need you to point out to them that they're being unfaithful to Jesus, that they can't just blame it on somebody else or their circumstances. Of course, if they think they're okay, they may not appreciate it if you point out to them that they're slipping away. Which brings us to the final thing to notice about verse 13. It's not a suggestion. You see that in verse 13? It's a command. It's a command from God. And God doesn't say, encourage one another as long as you're not too shy. And then say, encourage one another as long as you're not too busy. And then say, encourage one another as long as you feel that it's culturally appropriate. It doesn't say, encourage one another as long as you can be bothered. No, no. God says to us, encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Friends, we can't ignore this command. It's a clear command from God. God demands this and we need each other. Eternity is too important for us to, to drop the ball on this.
Well, friends, there are plenty of times that I haven't made it to the end, plenty of things that I've given up on, so let me tell you a better story. John Stephen Akwari was a marathon runner from the country of Tanzania. In the year 1968, Akwari was competing in the Olympic marathon in Mexico City. 19 kilometres into the 42-kilometre race, who would ever run 42 kilometres? 19 kilometres into the 42-kilometre race, he fell badly. Uh, he wounded his knee and his shoulder. His leg was bleeding. His knee apparently was dislocated. Uh, medical staff told him he had to withdraw, but Akwari refused. He kept on going. He kept going until finally, after nearly three and a half hours, he finished the race, dead last among the 57 competitors who had made it to the end. By then, the sun had set. Um, nearly everyone had left the stadium and gone home. Just a few thousand people left in the stadium. But ha have a look and have a listen to what happened. <laughs> it was written, today we have seen a young African runner who symbolizes the finest in the human spirit, a performance that gives true dignity to sport, a performance that lifts sport out of the category of grown men playing at games, a performance that gives meaning to the word courage. All honor to John Stephen Akwari of Tanzania. Perhaps the words of John Stephen Aquari epitomize all that is right in the human spirit. When asked why he did not quit, he said simply, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. My country did not send me 5,000 miles just to start the race. They sent me to finish the race. Friends, it's the same for us as Christians. It's not enough to start. We need to stay faithful to the end. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that we share in a heavenly calling. We thank and praise you that you know those who are yours and you will hold us to the very end. Father, would you please work in us by your spirit so that we heed your warnings and stay faithful to the very end. Give us the strength we need to do this, please. And please help us to help each other. Help us to be brave and bold in encouraging each other so that none of us are hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.